I'm Carrie Benedett, and this is my podcast, Thriving Matters, where you will find tools to revitalise you and your relationships, whether at work or in your personal life. Well, a little bit about me. I'm an education consultant specialising in emotional intelligence, and I use creative approaches that empower people with proven processes. I'm known for my high energy, passion and compassion for those in need of help. And I like to shine a spotlight on what we can do. I'm here to bring positivity, confidence and strength every day, everywhere. My mantra in life has been, let's give it a red hot shot. Hello everyone, it's Thriving Matters studio tonight and my guest, as you can see, is Luca Perry. Uh, We have a great opportunity to have a chat tonight. The mics are ready and rolling just for you. And looks like we have Jo, Joanne popping in as well. So I'll just let her in. Welcome, Joanne, how are you? I'm very well, thank you. My sincerest apologies. We do have some some different hiccups tonight. That's all right. We had a few last week as well, and I'm putting it down to excessive use of internet during the school holiday break. (laughs) So my guests tonight are amazing thinkers, everyone. Now, they've had long experiences and continue to love and work in education globally. So Luca Perry is the rose between the thorns tonight. So <laughs> Luca, you are very welcome. <laughs> Thorn between the roses. Thank you. Yeah, to be here. <laughs> and uh, so I'm going to, as I usually do, do a little bit of um, biography on our guest tonight. But we know that the reason Thriving Matters Studio was born this year was to talk about all things thriving and we know that thriving isn't always happy or upbeat or energetic all the time it's what we do with the situations that we have and how we have learned to manage and use our resources and so our focus on education is even more um, necessary and important at this present time for our future. So uh, if you're listening, please pop your chats into, um, type into the chat box on the side and that will come up on our screen. You're very welcome. Um, if you're still on your holidays, whether you're in Byron, whether you're down the south coast, whether you're in the snowies, wherever it is you are around Australia, uh, we're going to have a shout out to everybody in Victoria just to say hi and uh, our best wishes to you. Last week we had uh, Anna Masters and uh, Catherine Hopeman on um, two fine educators from from Victoria who gave us a, a bird's eye view of what it's been like to have a second lockdown. But without further ado, let's um, tell you a little bit about, I'm going to start with the, with the rose in the middle. So Luca and please, everyone, I will use some notes to do this. So Luca is uh, currently the CEO and founder of The Learning Future. It's an organisation that supports school systems and companies to thrive in tomorrow's world. So we're already starting to to give you the idea. He's um, been, uh, he's a former teacher, of course, um, has been a school principal at the very young age of 27. Um, He was named Inspirational Public Secondary Teacher of the Year in South Australia. He works globally, speaks five languages, which I'm in awe of, and he has supported tens of thousands of educators and leaders globally 
to increase their positive impact. So we've got some great, um, we've got some some very passionate um, means to to what he what he does. He's a rapid learner, a couple of master's degrees. Usually is travelling the world. Should be in Morocco at this time of the year, but is is no longer. But is not there. That has done a whole lot of work through Harvard, Stanford. Um, now the interesting thing about Luca is, um, apart from working across all jurisdictions here in um, Australia, he's worked in international education systems as, as well as large organisations such as Microsoft and Apple and not for profits. Um, he really does work to transform structures, systems and societies to empower individuals to do their best work, maximise their wellbeing and make the world a better place. And I did catch um, a glimpse of a guitar. So with a Greek and Welsh background, I suspect we could have a song and a dance tonight as well, Luca. What do you think? Welcome and and as as we uh, proceed through the conversation, I know you're going to add little bits that um, I've missed here. You know yourself much better than I do or what a bio can read. So, Joanne, thank you so much. Um, we hope it's been a beautiful day in gorgeous, in gorgeous New Zealand, yeah? It has been. Yeah. Um, yeah. Now, Joanne is CEO and founder of The Learner First, which is a US, Australian and New Zealand-based um, company. Uh, she is also an executive committee member of Garanga, the Global Alliance for Social, Emotional Learning and Life Skills. A social entrepreneur, a leading voice in global education. Um, Joanne brings years of experience as well, leadership experience working with all levels of education from school level through to government. And um, her perspective, um, she works with people and communities because she believes they hold the answers, not necessarily the experts that hold the answers. Her experience is as a teacher, principal, superintendent, uh, system leader, She's worked in many countries, over 10, and she focuses on matters on, on humanity's development of social emotional learning and deeper learning outcomes. And that's what we're going to be talking about tonight. Co-authored a few different books there, Joanne, and um, you partner with people of diverse learning, uh, diverse learning needs and, le and diverse groups around the world. So if I've mucked anything up, forgive me, please. <laughs> <laughs> and usually by the time I've done this, I'm exhausted because I'm thinking, <laughs> what, what amazing careers you've both had. Amazing. Now, what we're going to talk about tonight is something that is absolutely inaugural. It's an inaugural event. It's the Karanga's first Festival of Learning 2020. And so I'm going to get both Luca and Joanne to tell us all about um this particular body, it's a global organisation of policymakers, practitioners and researchers committed to social and emotional learning as a driver for education and societal change. And as we have been working within a pandemic environment, which abruptly altered the way a lot of our education was being delivered, this is such a great time to be talking social and emotional learning because it ties so much, uh, so well in with the whole focus now on essential skills of emotional intelligence 
and how we can actually bring that into the learning of our, our future generations. They're my grandchildren we're talking about, so we've got, we've got to get this right. So over to you, you're both very welcome. And um, who's going to tell us about, is it Karenga? Have I pronounced it correctly? Um, it's, pr it's pronounced Karanga. It's a, it's a Māori name, it's a Māori term. And I'll start with just by saying maybe a little bit about the name and then maybe, Luke, you want to give a bit of the background about how, what, what, how, it, how it came to be. But the Māori name is Karanga and it means a call out for, and welcome. So basically saying it's a call out from the heart to sort of wake everybody up and to say that this is really important work. And so we've called out to the whole world to say that, that we're wanting to move away from just the sole focus of academics and, and education to a much broader set of outcomes. We're looking to sort of see that knowledge is not the only thing that we're focusing on in education, that we're wanting to look at understanding, self-understanding, who are we, how do we fit into the world and how can we contribute to humanity? We're also looking for that connection piece. How do we connect to each other? How do we connect to ourselves, our communities, our wider world around us? And do we know our purpose in life? Then we're looking for that knowledge piece as well. But is it relevant, the knowledge to who we are, not just to what everybody else expects us to be? And then do we have those competencies so that we can learn and return to the world? So Karanga is a very special name because it is a really, it does, it calls out to everybody to sort of join together and come together and wake up to be together. And I think we really did want to call it a name that wasn't wasn't necessarily an English name because that signifies something really important, that we don't always know the answers in the world, those of us who are who are the dominant race, and sort of we don't actually always know what's the best thing to do. So we're really trying to signal that yeah. hey, this, is, this is going to be a little bit different and we want to really acknowledge that there are other voices that we may not have always heard in the past that really we want to take really big notice of. And I think so Karang is a very special name and it was gifted to us and we take it with great respect and great care and we use that name with great honour. So how it started, I'll pass it over to Luca because he's great at explaining that. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you, Luca. Hey, kia ora, JJ. Um, and Nina Mani, I just want to acknowledge, I'm, I'm coming to everyone from Ghana country, Ghana Yarta here in South Australia, um, which is a beautiful part of the world and, you know, one of the most amazing places to be whilst a global pandemic bears down upon you know, our old ways of living. Um, and so Karanga kind of formed uh, in December 2018. Jo Joanne and I were both really lucky to be um, two fellows in, of a group of 60 that came together for a, a week-long fellowship at Salzburg Global Seminar hosted at um, Schoss Leopoldskron in Salzburg, Austria. And effectively, what, what that group tried to do is that there were 60 different people, very globally um, representative, practitioners, to policymakers, to researchers, to philanthropists, ultimately trying to understand, you know, how might we synthesize the global understanding of social and emotional learning or life skills and, and do something powerful together about trying to centralize and elevate them um, in the way that we understand human development and human progress. And so... It was a wonderful week um, and Salzburg Global Seminar is a phenomenal think tank, really. It's been around since 1947 um, that was set up after the devastation of World War II to try to bridge divides and inspire kind of leadership and create new initiatives that make the world yeah. a better place. And and so they've had this focus on social emotional learning for, for a number of years now. And so when Jojo and I kind of first met there, actually, Jojo, it feels like 10 years ago, not 10 years ago, because um, it's been such a delight. Um, effectively there was a group of us that were talking about a global alliance and we saw kind of a need to try to try to connect a, a range of different um, change makers ambassadors people really that are, are leading the, this work at a regional or national um, or even a local level 
And so that that kind of you know inspired us to think about what might be the kind of do tank that sits alongside the think tank. Um, and so Karanga emerged with that as kind of our mission, which is to really to do two things: to inspire and also equip. Right. So the emotional and the cognitive um, practitioners, researchers, policymakers through initiatives that can connect, curate, and drive action in social, emotional learning and life skills. And of course, caveats around language. You know, when we say social emotional learning, you know, it could be transversal skills, it could be 21st century capabilities. What we mean are some of the kind of really strong definitions about, you know, self-awareness, self-regulation, responsible decision-making, relationship skills, those key aspects that are harder to measure. And this is kind of Jojo's really, I would say globally leading work. They're harder to measure, but they're crucial to value. And of course we often, you know, value what we measure rather than measure what we value. And that's, that's kind of the legacy yeah. social systems, not just in education, you know, economics and a whole range of other yeah. factors, but you know, how do we move beyond them? And we think our work is really in your. Know, oh, so we've, we've, we've lost Luca for the minute. That's cool. <laughs> okay. That's okay. <laughs> <laughs> that's interesting. This work thrive studio, yeah. you know, we're trying to do, and this is our first, um, Karanga, um, you know, uh, Festival of Learning. So we have 10 different events taking place across this week all over the world in different languages um, and all focused on the truly human aspect of, of development, which we would say is the social and the emotional alongside the cognitive skills as well. And it really, um, all, the, all the recent literature and, and research is, is actually saying these are the essential skills that we need for um, a future of employment. And most of the comment is around educating for employment, not necessarily educating for connection, educating to know how you know yourself, your own self-awareness, so you can be aware of others, so you can make decisions, so you can you can thrive in life and work. Um, so it's, a, it's an interesting time. I think 2018 was meant to have happened and has has given you the, the head start perhaps or the, the groundwork that for, for this time. I think it's a very interesting uh, timeline that you've got there uh, when we compare it to what's happened uh, over this last year. Yeah, and I think when, when we think about that, you know, there's the, the workforces, they're asking, they're asking a different, they're asking for a different outcome from an education system now. When we're talking to young people, they're sort of saying that, you know, meaning and fulfillment is the new wealth. And for me, it's the contribution is the only way to earn it. And they're not looking for money as yeah. an outcome. They're really looking for how do we get a good life and how do we actually understand each other? How do we connect and work with each other? Because otherwise we're not, we're not going to survive. And although you know, we, we, we're looking at industry, they're saying, can you please teach the kids the things that we're actually needing? Because otherwise they're going to come out of the work, out of our education system. And then we're really going to need to reteach them how to be able to work together, how to get along with each other. Yeah. And the second thing around that is, is actually we need people to innovate to help get us out of some of the situations that we have created as adults in the world that actually we really need some help to get out of. But it's not just leaving it to the kids. We have to really teach some of those skills about creativity. We have to teach some of those skills around how to think differently, how to be differently. But most of all, how do we connect as a race of human beings together on this planet to really start to save it and to really start to make a difference for each other and really care about each other to make sure that we really recognize we each can contribute something to make this world a better place and every single human being has something that they can contribute and being a global organization you're doing just that because we've got so much that we uh, can learn from each other 
Mm. Mm. Um, yeah, and that's exactly right. And I think a lot of the time, the the, the wealthier countries, the countries who have had a more opportunity to do investigate and to do the research, and they can take the lead because they've got a louder voice. They've got more opportunities. Yeah. Yet we know that there are some countries who are doing some fantastic work that they just haven't got a voice or they haven't got a way to actually share that information with the rest of the world. So part of the reason that we've formed Karanga is that we can hear some of those voices. And a lot of the research we know has been done in Western countries and it hasn't actually been able, to, we haven't been able to hear the voices from countries where they've been doing some amazing things. And so yeah. for us, it's really important to really lift up some of the learning that has been going on in other places that enables us and the Westernized countries to really hear and do some of that work that can be shared across for all of us to learn and, and to be together from. Yeah, the I was looking today, um, um, Joanne. Before we we started in um, just looking at the website for um, Karanga, yeah, Karanga, um, and um, it's I love I love the uh, the the Maori pronunciation, um, and um, it impressed me. Um, you know how many organisations, how deep the the um, the membership is. Um, and so it's it's such a rich country. And what took my interest was also that the World Economic Forum mm. is actually part of that. So, mm. you know, there's so much that is fantastic coming out of um, World mm. Economic Forum at the moment, particularly yeah. around education. And uh, yeah. we, we've got we've got a lot that we can share globally. Mm. I believe. Yeah. yeah, yeah. What we've found is that there hasn't really been a body that has been. Um, pulled together that can bring together everybody who's trying to work on this work. We don't want to sort of actually create anything new. Mm. What we're trying to do is to bring together all of the voices from all over the globe who have got some amazing things happening and be able to curate that and share it back out to everybody. So we've kind of got sort of four areas that we're really looking at. We've got advocacy. So letting people know what's going on around the world and, and trying to help them figure out where is some really great stuff going on and really lifting the profile of social and emotional learning so that people recognize that this isn't just a soft option. This is really about what we need to have to mm. enable our world to be a better place for every single person to live. Then we've got an area where we're looking at community. How can we have everybody know and work together in a space that will allow a space to go? Where, where, where do we find information? Where do we know who's doing something yeah. that's interesting? Where do we know, where do we go to find those people? Then we're looking at research and implementation. Where is it in the world that some really good really good work is going on and if we want to research them, some of the work. So if we know in Zimbabwe are they doing some great stuff, how would that transfer across to say America, or how would that transfer into Australia? How would that transfer, and what pieces of it would be culturally relevant and make sense for us to pick and choose from? And then we're looking at implementation. How do we implement some of these ideas in different countries and cultures? Because we know that you can't just pick up a program and dump it into yeah. another place. We've actually really got to identify what are the pieces of it that make it really real and really fantastic that actually allow us to use those bits. So we've kind of got four areas that we're working in. But the best part is, is that everybody wants to actually join together and work together. So for me, that tells us that humanity is at that point where we know we are better together than we are apart. Yeah. And I think that's to me the most exciting thing of all is that we've finally understood that we it's not a zero-sum game, that we can do this if we really choose to do it and we really choose to do it well. You'd be getting some major goosebumps, wouldn't you, when you when you've got this um, this willingness to mm. step forward together mm. and, and work it out. And mm. it and it's so true. We have so much to learn from diff from different cultures. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I believe so. Yeah. Look, has there during? Um, I'm just interested in your 
observations and insights, you know, during the, the pandemic, I mean, you were in America, you came mm -hmm. back to Australia, you've now had, you've gone back to New Zealand. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I believe. So you've, you would be up with um, the, the latest talk, the latest um, uh, trends in education. Mm -hmm. So for social emotional learning, um, and, and then we also said some social justice in that yeah. uh, um, as well, have you have you seen um, a major change? Would it be a percentage of of change that you've seen, or is there? Um, are you starting to see more evidence of inclusion of this? Oh, phenomenally! Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, I think that New Zealand and Australia we've been really protected a lot from that the, from the pandemic. Um, like, say, for example, I was living in Washington State for the last eight and eight and a half years. And yeah. I'm still working with a lot of the districts and some of the some of the schools over there, and I do a lot of my work online. And it's completely easy to do so because yeah. um, nobody's in school. So schools have completely changed their form and shape in many of the places in the United States, many of the places in different in other countries. So they're really seeking ways to connect. They're seeking ways to have that connection. They're seeking ways to understand how do we work together in a very different way. So in New Zealand and Australia, most of our schools are open. So we're, we're still in a space where we're still looking at how do we integrate social and emotional learning in most of our, in, in a lot of our programs. Whereas in the United States and we're in, in a lot of places in, in the rest of the world, some of them are not even back in school. So they're really yeah. in a completely different space. So therefore they're desperately looking for ways to be able to do some of this work. And it's absolutely a priority because we're seeing little pods set up. We're seeing little different, different ways of schooling set up. So schooling as we know it is gone. It's completely gone as, I, as far as I can see because it's given us a completely big, a different opportunity to really consider how do we want to educate our youth, young people now? We've got families having a different role. We've got yeah. schools having a different role. We've got governments looking for a different way to help, help support schools and, and students. So we really do have to mm -hmm. have a big rethink about that. And when you, when we're, if we're sitting in Australia and New Zealand and we're looking at the rest of the world and they're completely changing how they're doing things, we have to have a bit of a think about that. What does that mean for us here in New Zealand and Australia? And, and what, what are the ramifications of that for both of our countries as well? Mm. That, that is so true. Um, Luca, um, thank you for popping back in and out. We, we, sometimes this happens, so thanks, thanks for your patience. Um, what would be some, um, I said to Joanne, uh, you know, what, what are some of her, her observations and what, what is she seeing as a, maybe a percentage of change towards, you know, social emotional um, learning that's now included? Were you seeing something similar? Um, you've been in Australia all the time, so Australia? Um, yeah, interesting question. I, I definitely think like concepts like thriving are in the zeitgeist, like flourishing, you know, the work kind of the positive psychology movement that Martin Seligman in particular played a big role in was a thinker in residence yeah. here in South Australia, for example. So quite a long legacy in terms of the, the really good positive education movement. I, I definitely do think there is, there is as much attention that has ever been paid to this particular mm concept right now and the, the big question yeah. for all of us is well how do we actually work with others to enable this to take place because not about kind of driving action mm. or you know we can't even use the mechanistic metaphors to be honest with you it doesn't work that way human behavior yeah. isn't that cut and dry and so i think it's you know the biggest foundational question is how do we go back to first principles mm. and then 
then build from there as opposed to thinking yeah. about constant reform. You know, like it's hard to reform, you know, the system, all this stuff about the system, like what even is the system? First of all, you know, the system is us. The system is a human us. system. It's right. Like we are, it is the, the kind of human beings within it. And if we're in it's an organic yeah. system, we're talking about things like consciousness, which is emergent learning yeah. is an emergent mm -hmm. property. So all these kinds of things, I think we should definitely, it's more and more people are paying attention to it. And I think largely industry in particular is, is playing a really big role here because they are, they're talking about soft skills. Which isn't my favorite favorite terminology, but sure, we'll get we'll, we'll play with it. We'll play we'll that game. But the point is, uh, whatever we call them, you know, no. the fact that we that we are thinking about, you know, we need to pay more attention to this right now because we're in the midst of the fourth industrial revolution. Pandemic aside, we've never experienced change in our lifetimes this rapid, and it will never be as slow as it is right now as well. Now, notwithstanding the kind of acceleration that McKinsey talks about. Um, because of the pandemic, you know, industry is being wiped out and remade. So all that to say, I suppose my reflection, Carrie and Jojo, is, you know, how do we, how do we move beyond the kind of knowing doing gap? Because I think more than ever before, we're seeing even political leaders now start to use the same kind of vernacular and saying, yes, we need a kind of learning revolution. Um, mm -hmm. But it's one thing to say it. And the next thing is, how do we have the courage to step into that unknown? And it's, you know, in a system, it's, it's about the, every single member of it being a co-designer yeah. of the new way forward. Mm. And so it's not about doing things to okay. or throwing things at. It's absolutely mm. about doing with. Mm. Um, and it's why I'm really interested in kind of co-design as a methodology yeah. or social labs as a way to kind of work with young people. You know, we should not, in fact, even this conversation, we should have a fourth person on this call, which is a young person that is experiencing the system that's, right now. Mm. Um, and of course, it's that's difficult to do for a range of reasons, but we should go through that difficulty in any time that we're talking about redesign, because we need every single person, every human being around that table. Mm. And we should be convening these conversations so we can all understand what's required and then ultimately act in ways that might scare scare the hell out of us to be frank <laughs> yeah. because it's unknown yes. right it's almost yeah. it's unknowable yeah. but, um and that's so a big you, deal isn't it fear yeah yeah, yeah. so yeah. When, when we haven't got a map the last thing i'd say is yeah. when we haven't got a map what we need is a compass and this is why i like the oecd work around well-being 2030 yeah. which is yeah. their metaphor is a compass so mm. can a young person today have a compass that they take with them because there's no point having the map because the map is changing so rapidly. Mm. You might mm. walk to one spot and realize that job doesn't exist anymore. Mm. But if we have a capability mm. set, social, emotional, cognitive, you know, wrapped in meta learning, the ability to continue to unlearn and relearn, I really think that's how we equip young people and play our roles as educators and as policymakers and legislators to ensure that we are setting up young people to succeed. And, they've, and yeah. by so doing, we're enabling communities to be flourishing places as well. Well, Luca, I'm going to say to you, uh, a couple of weeks ago, I did have two Year 11 students on, um, male and female, with their um, coordinator of wellbeing from a very large K-12 learning community. And uh, they had different responses to working um, at home, and they actually called it learning from home. That's what that's mm. that particular mm. community called it. But uh, one, one, you know, one of them said, oh, it, it was great I was able to pace my day organize my day um, be with my family and it, it worked pretty well the other one said actually it didn't it didn't go well 
as as well as I thought, but I've learned a lot about myself during the time. And they, you know, they talked about their autonomy. They talked about this uh, to, uh, and they then when we said, look, what suggestions have you got? Oh, they said, well, we, we want you to actually have a look at different um, starting times, you know, that would that would suit for us, different access times. And what I want to also say to you is there's no more soft skills. These are essential skills. Mm -hmm. We just got to, we just have to say essential. Lay down mm -hmm. is there. There's mm -hmm. no debating here. These are essentials. Mm -hmm. And um, that whole, you know, that whole village, it takes a village mm -hmm. to educate a child. I think we've done the whole circle again mm -hmm. to say, mm -hmm. yes, some, yeah. some villages are not ideal, right? There's mm -hmm. still not enough safety for our students there or uh, for our young there. Um, but so that's what we've, we've also got to work on, I believe. Yeah, and I, I love the thank you for sharing the compass um, with everybody as well. Yeah. I think it's time that, that we're everyone yeah. it's, the, it's the redefinition of success now. I mean, in, in the past, we've said success looks like this, and it, we've, we've defined it in a particular way. And you know, I was at a yeah. conference once when somebody put their hand up and said, So, what does the new success look like? And I said, okay, well, I'm not, I'm not defining it for you. Nobody can define it for anybody else anymore. And I think that's the thing is that we've always said you have to be a particular thing or a particular way or a particular level to be successful in life. And that has not served us well. I think what, mm. we, what we're trying to say now is, okay, so you as a community, you as a school, you as a country, you, as a, you as are responsible for your own success. How do we help equip you to identify what that looks like for you and your space you know, as one group? as one individual, as one, one community, what does that look like? And then let's help yeah. really figure that out and let's help you to measure that so you know whether you are going to be successful as well. And I think that's, that's the new way of thinking about it because if we start to say you have to be something, then you can't ever live up to that or there is going to be a group of people who can't live up to that. And for me, equity becomes when you are successful and you can show that you're successful in your own way. And I think that's been my biggest learning over the last 10 years in working in education is that until we can accept that we are different because your two students already have told you that and they've accepted it and we've loved it and we've cherished that moment that they've taught us that, then we have to be able to lift that up to a system level and say, okay, so what does success look like now? And we all yeah. have different, I call, it, I call it different circles of success. So, you know, there's your academic circle of success or your knowledge building circle of success. There's your, your family circle of success. There's your work mm -hmm. circle of success. There's your friend circle of success. There's your, uh, you know, your self-esteem circle. And you need multiple circles of success to feel as a, as a whole person, to really oh, be able to engage in this world and to be, be, feel great about yourself and to know how to contribute your specific great talent and gifts to this earth and to this world. And I think for so long, we've only just been concentrating on one or two circles. And so when one or two of those circles gets popped, it's we're paralyzed, we don't know what to do. So what we've got to do is help every one of us build and build and build and feel good about multiple different areas of our life so we know how to do mm. that. And I have no way that I can tell you what your strength is or tell you or make a judgment on you. So we've got to stop judging each other and actually allow each of us to be who we're meant to be and, and celebrate that difference and utilize that because we've all got something amazing to offer this world. And if we do that, then our success level changes and our, our ability to live in this world and to have a fantastic place, it absolutely increases for everybody. That's so true. We're, we're still, we, we work on an economic model, yeah, mm. where we can measure, where we can say what the return is on investment. Mm. Um, and then, you know, I think I think we've 
we've gone past past that and I do I also heard you talk about contribution so it's connection and contribution for the whole for yeah, the good of, of the of the world yeah yeah it is and it's as I said earlier you know it's that's that money is not the ultimate end game anymore I mean I think we've gone well past that I mean I don't care what house people live in anymore I want to know have you done something good for the world you know, and I mean, nobody cares you go home to whatever you go home to. It's more about how are you being a good human being and contributing? Are you helping save this planet that we're living on? Because we haven't got much more time if we don't. Are you helping somebody else be a good person? Are you, are you giving something more than, more than yourself? When you do that, you can actually start to feel better about who you are. And people often say to me, well, I can't contribute until I'm good myself or until I've got what I need first. And I always say to people, actually, that's not correct. Or that's not true because the minute you start to lift up, and start to contribute, you actually immediately start to feel like you can actually, you actually get reward instantly. It's actually, that's when you start to feel like you can do something. And I often think about a time when I was a principal and I took my staff to Samoa and we were a very poor, supposedly poor school. We took my staff to Samoa to learn about the culture of Samoa because most of my students were from Samoa. And um, the schools that we visited, they roasted pigs for us. They gave us gifts. They gave us every single thing they had. And they had not a single, they were so poor. And they gave us everything. And I think from that we learned that if you can contribute and give from every, you know, whatever you have, that's when you start to really recognize that that's where humanity can really touch yeah. each other's hearts and souls. And then we can move ahead. And that's where you start to really understand that there is beauty inside each and every one of us. Yeah. It's uh, it's it's so poignant, really. Luca, any thoughts? We've we've. I'm going to ask you both about um, what you've observed about um, the reaction from teachers and principals to the change that they've been involved in. Whether they're they're um, have made any um, if they if they've made any changes I think to perhaps their, their value system at the moment or the way they're looking at leading for for a different world um, mm. I don't like using the word normal very much um, because it's normal is not, nor, not like you just can't, we just can't say normal anymore it's it's uh, I think we've moved beyond that but I, I'm interested in um, yeah the leadership and then our teaching staff because we between policing, health and and law enforcement um, and education, sorry, um, we have three huge, huge workforces who've been frontline um, in nearly every country of the world. Um, and it was just just a just a curiosity I've got about what you you might have been picking up from our educators because they would be of a certain age <laughs> as well. Well, first thing I'd say about educators is happy world teachers day for yesterday. Mm. You know, yeah. I chose to be an educator. I actually changed out of commerce before I began. Um, and it's a decision I'll never regret. And it's because, you know, to Jojo's point, you know, I wanted to contribute. I never wanted to sell something that I didn't believe was making a mm. difference in the world. And, and as educators every single day, you know, tens of millions, um, hundreds of millions of educators get up and do the work, the real work. So, um, yeah. and I think they've been remarkable, you know, by and large, being able to literally just, you know, it's, it's sometimes with 24 hours notice, just transform their entire yeah. teaching, yeah. you know, our entire yeah. way that we kind of approach teaching and learning or learning and teaching. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, but 
gosh, I would also say um, educators are worn out and are just like, in terms of like levels of anxiety right now, we live in an age of anxiety. There is too much unknown in our, our world um, and that takes a toll. Um, so my, my, my question would be, how do we best support the, again, it's the same thing. How do we, how do we tap into the largely latent potential of young people in schools sometimes because the way the system is designed to kind of be passive, but then also how do we ensure that educators are part of the rebuilding efforts in terms of the, the way that we kind of yes. reimagine policy. Uh, and so. That's what I'm really interested in, because again, we're seeing these wonderful bright spots and lighthouses of practice and an amazing educator that's kind of driving around the suburb in the United States, you know, saying hello to every single one of the kids and like throwing them packages and all, like, amazing kind of stuff, right? To try to, to keep that connectedness and belonging in place. Um, and I just wonder how we might do things in a way that isn't about returning to normal, to your point, but it's about, you know, creating something emergent, something new. Um, yeah. And yeah. To your point as well, Jojo, and I'm really interested in this. You and I discuss this all the time, but you know, I'm, you know, it's about, in my view, it's about celebrating difference. Absolutely. Mm. You know, diversity, mm. equity, inclusion, always. And I also mm. think, what is it that's beyond that? What is it that makes us uniquely human that we all share? And these are, I think, universal principles, things like self-actualization or agency. You know, I think we've seen an enormous transfer of agency to young people, you know, as soon as you go virtual, people can control if they yeah. mute. Or if they come up with some kind of really clever way to pretend that they're listening on, you know, whatever. There's all these fantastic things going on in the world. So, um, so I just think ed educators are doing a, an amazing job under a really difficult circumstances and a part of this economy of care. You know, the day that oil futures went to zero or whatever it was, I think is a moment in time we can look to and say, well, isn't it interesting that oil is literally useless? And yet to be an essential frontline worker in health or education right now is the most important thing. And by the way, people that stock shelves in supermarkets also crucial because they're providing effectively for people to live their lives in neighborhoods around yeah. the world. So I, I, I think it really does come back to what is success. And I will end this rant by saying if I could change one thing for all of us, including myself, it would be our mental models about the way we see the world, because I, I think it's the idea of every investment we make in artificial intelligence or in a new technology or in synthetic biology or in vaccines, we should be investing the same amount in raising human consciousness in our ability to see ourselves by the contributions that we make, not just by the dollars that we make or by you know any of these other old metrics baked into the 20th century economic model that is no longer fit for purpose either. We need to go well beyond GDP and there's some great work from Kate Rayworth and others, donut economics and livability indexes and social prosperity, things that we should be paying more attention to. Mm. Because yes, it's about jobs and the political narrative right now is absolutely about jobs. Young people are stepping mm. into kind of the worst job market, you know, in my, in my mm. lifetime. Um, but actually it's, it's about beyond the job. It's about the human being that's taking the job. Because yeah. the point is jobs should change and will change because technology is transforming them anyway. Yeah. So how do we build yeah. in to come back full circle? How do we build in those social and the emotional skills, the ones that we know are not easily outsourced to artificial intelligence and roboticization and yeah. converging exponential technologies. And so I think it makes sense economically, makes sense socially and, and definitely makes sense in terms of ecologically, in terms of us trying to live within our planetary limits. So. Yeah. 
there you go the rant wasn't over i continued mm. but anyway <laughs> and I'll, I'll, yeah, I'll finish this rant off by just saying a couple of couple of points is that we've spent a lot of time in collective cognition. So spent a lot of time thinking and doing things collectively yep. in our brains and we've come up with lots of things in our brains together. And I think we've gone as far as we possibly can in that space in lots of ways. So for me, I talk about it, we're now moving down into our hearts and we're doing collective consciousness yes. now. We have to move into that mm -hmm. space where we collectively in a, in a conscious way start to, to really create that, that sense of using our heads and our hearts. What do we really want? How do we really want to feel with each other? And I also have a really horrible saying, which I don't really like saying, but it works really well because it's quite shocking. No one is coming. This is up to us. We are the ones who can make this change. Nobody else yes. is coming to do it. So each community, we have a chance yeah. to do this together. So with, our, with the people, the right people in the room, kids, parents, businesses, school leaders, we can, we can take control of our own communities and we can say, we know what's best for our community. We've got some guidelines from the government. We've got some space. We've got some place and some time with our own collective consciousness, our own collective cognition and our own people and our own students. We know what's best for us. And let's start working together and to recreate what does success look like cognitively and conscious, conscious with our own consciousness as well. Let's start pooling those ideas. And if we all contribute, we're going to get a new picture and we're going to get it together. Well, it's it's also about trusting that together, so together we have the answers singly or separately. No, we don't have them. Mm. and we can pull our hair out over that. We can be highly stressed. It can go down the drain, really. Absolutely. But to, together, the collective intelligence that we have uh, with the collective goodwill, mm -hmm. um, I, I think, is is the dynamite. So it's um, and it's it's quite an exciting time. There's, mm. there's a lot of people who are energised by this who mm. aren't necessarily feeling that the world is coming to an end, but that mm. actually we've, we've got a red-hot shot here yep. to, um, to, to make the difference. So... Mm. I, lo I love your passion and your your reasoning. You've got a network, a global network. We've we've now got examples of of uh, what's working, different bits. So it could be that we, as the community does, we choose we choose what mm -hmm. it is that we want, and then we then get the choice to um, to educate our our young people in the in the areas that. Uh, that we really want. We have to be pragmatic in a way. Um, I believe it doesn't mean that being human, I call it being human-centred. Um, it brings the heart and the mind and the soul together. Um, but yeah, I, I just think we've we've got uh, we've got some major pluses going on. So it's quite an exciting time. You know, that's uh, amazing. Look, you both have been amazing tonight. I know it's it's uh, a holiday time. It's just after a long weekend here in Australia, so it's a bit rich to, to put your hand up. So well done, you. Um, I just would love you just to round us all off tonight and just say, you know, if I said to you, if you've got a wish, what's it going to be for the next, say, 12 months, 12 to, to two years? What would the wish be? If you, if you had that? ball in you know you were able to make sure this happened what's the wish you go first look <laughs> <laughs> all right in i'm interested in moon, like moonshot thinking you know and i i think this certainly is the most challenging period i've been in you know my life so far so i, I suppose my wish is that we act as boldly as possible and we also self-authorize. So as educators and school principals and 
regional directors, you know, as parents, people that are part of the learning ecosystem that we self-authorize and say, we are the people we have been waiting for. Mm. And we go and do the work. Mm. Um, and partially Courage. that's about our mental model. What's success? You know, what's our belief? What are the behaviors and what are the boundaries? Um, yeah. But I really, I think, I, I think the greatest danger we face is ret we return to normal because it's comfortable there and it's the way, you know, oh. we're cozy. But, and that's, that's the human behavior. That's for all of us. Um, as opposed to being as bold as possible and not just reimagine, but then ultimately remake what a school is for and what education systems mm. focus their, their primary attention on, particularly when it comes to things like assessment, because then we conflate assessment with overall yep. success. Mm. Yeah, I think you said the magic word in there, yeah. Um, yeah. What about you, Joe? I think um, I'm I'm from the Waitaha people, um, Ngāti Mamoi and Ngāti people, and I think for me it's to bring back the principles from my people, the ancient wisdom, to know what works for collective thinking, for collectivism, I suppose you want to say, if, if you need a word to, terminate, to use that term, and marry that with the principles that we've learned through and utilise technology to really bring some of those ancient ideas back to life because they have served us for multiple, multiple, multiple decades yeah. and hundreds and hundreds of years and we've lost the art of really listening and living together and I would throw out the current assessment system without without thinking about it twice I wouldn't even give it another thought I would get rid of it today it was assessment is the biggest barrier to our current education system and I would use uh, an assessment method that contains evidence that is actually real authentic and it would be based on human 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 ideals and actually what do children need to know to use what they need to learn next but based on based on wisdom based on what is actually real based on what do we need next to learn to be better human beings and to protect our earth i think that's these are the things i would bring together and actually trust ourselves to know that we actually do know what we're doing and not to remember not just not to forget who we are where we came from and who we are actually meant to be oh it's beautiful Listeners, if you're interested in finding out or being in contact with either Luca or Joanne, um, would you be willing to give them the best port of call? Would it be your websites or, or an email? What would you like if, you, if we've got some curiosity out there? Because what we will also do after this is use the audio for, for the Thriving Matters podcast. So we don't just have, uh, we go live, but we also use it for the podcast. So we extend our reach and that's global. That's a global podcast, so that's easy. So if anyone would like to contact you, what's your best um, contact details? Luca? I'd recommend, I'd recommend people um, jump onto all, any of the social media, um, on yeah. LinkedIn or Twitter or anything like that, um, or website. You know, my, my name is, I'm a Greek Welsh Australian. So it's a Greek first name, Welsh last name. So it's Luca Parry, L-O-U-K-A-P-A-R-R-Y. But you'll find me because it's quite a unique combination, which is yeah. the upside to that, mm. that mix. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. I would love to with anyone doing, doing interesting work. Yeah. Good. Thank you. And mine is Joanne McKechn, which is a very unusual name as well. So it's M-C capital E-A-C-H-E-N. And my website is The Learner First. Um, or you can contact me at joanne at thelearnerfirst.com. Love to hear from you. Always interested in hearing people's thoughts and, and feelings about what sorts of things we're talking about. Oh, thank you both so much. I've had a wonderful conversation. And look, um, listeners, I will tell you, I have um, met uh, Joanne, uh, I think it was late late last year. At, yeah, at I think a breakfast so. yeah. 
yeah, and well, Sydney, yeah, and and through Joanne, I've met Luca. So, and within a minute of talking to Luca, we worked out that we did know somebody each um, between us. So there's a connection in education, just like there is in in any other industry work of life, and um, it's it's just like you know. Like families, it's the extended family. So I thank you both of a great conversation um, tonight. Listeners, if you'd like to know more about what I do, Carrie Benedette, you can pop on to Thriving Matters, whether it's on Facebook or LinkedIn, or you just look for the Carrie, Carrie a bag, I always say to uh, to my friends. Uh, I'm easy to find on all um, on all socials. So over to you. Next week, we, we will have um, our usual 730 show as well and um it is an absolute pleasure i'm i've had a wonderful time ever since covid started this is when thriving matters uh studio started and it came out of needing to up the conversation around education because we were in such an abrupt change it's exciting it's exciting so over to you both thank you so much for your generosity um keep well Mind, body and soul, I'm sure you will. So thank you. Thanks to everyone. Cacciano. Thank you.